Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. My name is Holly and I'm a history teacher and I'm joined by my friends Janine, the librarian, but so much more than that. Oh, a librarian is a lot of things in and of itself. It is. So it's, it's okay to just be that. I can just be that. Oh. Caroline, the English teacher, but also so much more than that. I want to be more than that. <laughs> you want to be more than English. You are more than English teacher. What's up, y'all? Glad to be here. Well, Holly, you're a history teacher and so much more. Oh, we are, y'all. We're so much more friends and we love books. Okay, we just touched hands. We just all of. grabbed hands, kind of. Well, they did. I didn't participate. <laughs> We're back. It's been a minute, although I feel like we've finished this book. How, where the crawdads sing weeks ago we just been super busy with school and we haven't had time to sit down and talk about it and podcast so here we are so just as a reminder um before we jump into where the crawdads sing um we're three friends we've been friends for what now 14 years right Long me time. and you caroline 15 janine came in the next year mm-hmm. um and we've been reading books together forever and we love to discuss That's them crazy i can't believe it's been that long it's a long time yeah um, and we love to think about the quote by Hannah Arendt that says, the things of our world become more human for us only when we only when we can discuss them with our fellows. We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. And so this book that we read, Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens, I think we would all agree was probably one of the better books that we've read in a long time. And that... I learned, like we think about that quote about speaking of ourselves, speaking about books, and we learned to be human. Learned a lot from Kaya in her her life in the marsh, um, and so we randomly picked this book. I think I've seen it. I had seen it on the New York Times. I think re- this is a Reese Witherspoon book, is it not? Yes, yes, it is. It's part of her her book club, and so Caroline and I were just in my room, kind of talking about books, and I just pulled up the New York Times bestseller, read the description, and she was sold. And so that's how we that's how we picked this book. It had a very interesting description about, what did it say? Oh, like a mystery and a murder. Like it made it, the, the description of it made it sound very intriguing. But when you actually read the book, the murder part of it is secondary to the story of, of Kaya in her life. Yeah, so just a little reminder, listeners, that um, we spoil everything. When we talk about it, we want to go ahead and dig in. And mm-hmm. so, so, especially since this one is a mystery, even though the mystery is secondary, you might just want to keep in mind that we're going to give it all away. So if you want to read first, the podcast will be waiting for you when you're done. <laughs> Hit pause and go read this book. You really, you, you absolutely, if you haven't read this book, stop it right now and go read the book. I think we've said that about a couple books that we've read, and this is one that you for sure um, should read. This is gonna. This is a classic. I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I, I think every time I was reading words in this book, I cried. Yeah, not like a sob, and sometimes it was a happy cry. You know, lots of different kinds of crying, but uh, the way she, um, <coughs> the way she sucks the reader in and makes you care is uh i love okay that's all thank that's you all. Okay. that's all i needed to say <laughs> i just don't want people not to read it because it's just so good um you may talk about the uh, the um author yeah go for it so this is delia owens is her name and this is the first her first um 
novel, right, Mm Janine? It's her first novel. Um, So she is, um, she earned a Bachelor of Science degree in zoology. She went to University of Georgia. And she got her PhD in animal behavior from the University of California in Davis. She's won a ton of awards and she's done lots and lots of nonfiction writing. And this was her first novel. Um, she has said she was looking for a way to write fiction, but also write about nature. And she did it in the way she, you know, in the way she's used to. So yeah, she straight up did. Um, and um, she spent a lot of time in some of the most remote areas of Africa and all, kind of lives on acres and acres um, with her family in Idaho. and in mm-hmm. Idaho and is, um, is just really a, a nature, a lover of nature. I didn't realize she was, she lives in Idaho. It just, um, I find that a little surprising. There's, I mean, it's not marshy there. It's so <laughs> different from the marshes of South Carolina, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I wanted to just say that I was looking at an interview, um, with Owens and she said that she knew the novel's ending from the start, which makes sense. Um, so she began writing from the end and worked backwards and, um, caught kind of called the experience a big word puzzle, a 50,000 word puzzle. And, um, so she said that writing nonfiction is like writing inside. She's an equestrian lover. So she said writing nonfiction is like writing inside the corral round and round inside the fence. But writing fiction is like taking off at a gate. You just go and see where you end up. And if you don't like it, you can make another turn and do something different. And so um, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. She, in, in her new experience and the idea that she knew the ending and jumped back to the beginning and then mm-hmm. kind of weaved everything together. Well, and even jumped around it's in really the book. really cool. Like she did a lot of fast forward, flashback, like yeah. jumping around in time in the book. So it, that make, it, it, you know, that description of, I'm just going to make a turn, I'm going to do this. That she goes, there's a lot of, of back and forth. I wish more people who wrote mystery knew where they were going <laughs> before they started writing. Because I feel like a lot of contemporary mystery writers are um figuring it out as they go and i know that that's that all writing is a process and it's different for everyone but sometimes i think that's why some mysteries just feel not very well put together because they were they were just being made up on the fly instead of having the super interesting ending that you're working toward all right, so since she started with the end in mind, why don't we start with um, one of the last passages of, of the book that we felt was just um, just beautiful. I think that this passage um, really captures the true essence of what Owens was trying to accomplish via the story. Yeah. It makes the connection between nature and humans Mm -hmm. between isolation and love Love. um, connections to people connections to nature and it and really communicates how kaya the lead character um embodies pieces of all of that yeah that's what i think this passage okay so here we go here's the passage just a long one so here we go tate and kaya hope for a family but a child never came 
The disappointment wove them closer together, and they were seldom separated for more than a few hours of any day. Sometimes Kaya walked alone to the beach, and as the sunset streaked the sky, she felt the waves pounding her heart. She'd reach down and touch the sand, and then stretch her arms toward the clouds, feeling the connections. Not the connections Ma and Mabel had spoken of. Kaya never had her troop of close friends, nor the connections Jody described, for she never had a family of she never had her own family. She knew the years of isolation had altered her behavior until she was different from others, but it wasn't her fault she'd been alone. Most of what she knew, she learned from the wild. Nature had nurtured, tutored, and protected her when no one else would. If consequences resulted from her behaving differently, then they were two functions of life's fundamental core. Tate's devotion eventually convinced her that human love is more than the bizarre mating competitions of March creature, Marsh creatures, but life also taught her that ancient genes for survival still persist in some undesirable forms among the twists and turns of man's genetic code. For Kaya, it was enough to be a part of this natural sequence as sure as the tides. She was bonded to her planet in its life in a way few people are. Rooted solid in this earth, born of this mother. I feel like that. Mm. I feel like that has to be. I don't know. I want to believe that that's Delia Owens's voice too, and just given her background and connection with nature, that there's something. Um, there's something of her in that as well. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It is, and it's it's beautiful, and it's a little terrifying to think that we are. Um, that we have those ancient instincts that there are people in our lives that can prove to us that we are more than an animal that yeah um, but the idea of the wild and like because she didn't because her mother abandoned her and 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 the world or nature the earth became her mother um, often when we think of the wild, we think of it as our as teaching us the, our most basic, inst- our most base instincts. And I think this there is an argument in this that there are some th- there are these ancient instincts of of survival, mm-hmm. but beyond that, there e- even even nature has more than that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, her whole, she's abandoned by everyone. Mm -hmm. And the only constant she has is what nature provides her. Mm -hmm. She ends up not being able to have children of her own. Um, What were you saying, Janine, about that, about that idea and kind of, I don't know. It's an interesting choice for the author to have made, right? Because throughout this whole book, we're learning about these animals and their um, desire to endure, to create, and that that leaves her like that. She doesn't have that. So um, somewhere in there, in that, it said that it was in. There's a there's a line where she where it is talking about how she and um, Tate were never able to have children and how that brought them closer together. Yeah, yeah. the disappointment the woke them closer together. Yeah. And so it, the, um, so who are we 
if we don't if if trying to endure trying to create um is is not part of part of our lives part of what we're doing um does does it how does that change an animal so much of the book deals with the idea of loneliness, right? Mm-hmm. Isolation. Yeah. And only one that can come, I was thinking about this too, only one that can come from having known something else first. You know, she had the love of a mother and then it went away. Until she was six, yeah. And when her dad came back, he was good to her for a while. Not not always. Yeah. But there, he had these moments of goodness that she experienced and then he went away. She had this relationship with her brother. Thank goodness, because he taught—he's the one who taught her to do so many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he went away. And so then her relationship with Tate. Mm-hmm. And then he went away. And it do you can't know loneliness really unless you've known its opposite. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And so um, I thought that was a really clever way of bringing this together. And it makes me—it made me wonder if animals get lonely, like. Um, you know, your dog misses you or whatever because they freak out when you come home or what? Cry, some of them cry or whatever. But maybe that's just a fear of when they're going to get their next meal or something. But <laughs> since Gus recently got this lizard and this lizard lives alone in a tank because if you put yeah. another one in it, they might um, eat each other. Uh, but I think we have reconciled this gecko to a life of isolation. Like he can know us or she we don't know but but i just wonder if if he if the if the gecko is lonely for gecko companionship <laughs> <laughs> well i mean she does you know she feels she fully feels the abandonment mm-hmm. there's a lot of hurt yeah she fully feels it she was hurt by her mother um, by Tate, like yeah, knowing that these people who she loved and that she thought loved them abandoned them, and for her mother never came back. And she, as just, a six-year-old, she just really maintained the hope that she really believed until Jody showed up and told her her mom was dead. I think she really she thought her mom back. was coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, she just which that seems right. I think so, too. right? Like that—that yeah. that seems right. But because who would think that your mom would do that? Right. Yeah. And in a way, though, it's also, I think that the paintings that Jody brought with them, his, the paintings that the mother yeah. had done, in a way, were bringing a little bit of her mother back to her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because her dad burned everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Remember? Mm-hmm. And there was that one painting of she and Tate as children that um, it just, it gave her back. That's one of the things you lose when you're abandoned, right? Like if you have siblings and then you're, you're not around your siblings, you kind of lose your childhood because it's, it's the memories that you guys share together yeah. or whatever that yeah. helps you remember. Um, and like, she doesn't even remember their names. Yeah. Um, Y'all, well, she, right. she kept the ashes, some of the ashes, mm-hmm. remember from that fire? Mm-hmm. Cause that, because the dad burned everything and that was the mm-hmm. only thing to keep. Right. I think, um, her mom sent a letter too, and her dad burned that. Oh, it was that. Kept, it was that ashes. She kept ashes from that. It was letter. that. That was the mm-hmm. ashes. Yeah. Um. So, but I thought I think it's really fascinating how Owens is able to write Kaya's 
like deep, deep sadness and anger. Mm-hmm. But Kaya doesn't become bitter. You know, I was thinking about. I was thinking about Blanking. that. I was thinking about that because in your English classes, you read books where isolation leads to uh, monsters, where it and people who are in isolation turns bad. But in her situation. That 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 didn't happen, which is not usually the case. Usually, when people are shunned, and I'm not sure that's true. Well, she's a murderer. She does kill someone. She does kill somebody. And I think only. I mean, it's a very different kind of thing. It is like she. Yes, but she does blame. I feel like she does blame it on the isolation. Like I am different because I had because of having been abandoned. I if she says if. If consequences resulted from me behaving differently, then they too were functions of life's fundamental core. There's a little displacement, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. In that sentence. I don't know. But, I mean, she what she has that, so like some of the characters I've taught before or whatever that I, that a I typical, thought was really a interesting is like... Yeah. This, she does have a connection. She says she can feel the connections and it's to the natural world. Mm -hmm. And those connections give her, is it that those connections are able to give her some kind of hope or some kind of like knowledge of a force bigger than herself? And it's in that, not that is what keeps her from, you know, just, I don't know, from completely i don't know giving up yeah mm-hmm. i guess um that because if you otherwise if you're isolated and you don't have any kind okay, of communion yeah. like there's communion in that for her which is some something sacred yeah if you don't have that with anything then how do you have hope mm-hmm. but it, so she does have that like the scene in the town when the woman is it the preacher's wife with the little kid yeah. That just popped into my head. Like, Tell her to stay away because she's, she's dirty. dirty and gross. Remember that scene? Like, and then we didn't get to pre-pod about this, so we can cut this out if y'all want to. But the trial. Mm-hmm. I'm so interested to know what y'all think about the trial and like the way that went down and how this random lawyer came out of the woodworks and how how is it that she got off? I thought I really at that point thought she hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. And so I was stunned, right? <laughs> How does she get off when she's got that necklace? Yeah. And there's no other way she could have that necklace. Chase's mom knows. Like, so how does she get off? Wait, and but, what is that? But we don't know she has the necklace. Well, we know at the end. She we know at the, the end. Ne- at the end, she has the necklace. Yeah. I mean, the only thing was the hat. But how'd she get off? It's just inconclusive or, I mean. Because their argument didn't, like her, well, I mean, if we just think logistically, her alibi was seemed solid. She was literally two hours away and she traveled by bus. And they, I mean, it was like a ridiculous story. Like, don't you think that that person look like her? I know, but then then that was was her, right? (laughs) So you're like, well, that did, I mean, they did establish doubt I mean, she could have made it back. She could have, yes. And there were unaccounted for passengers. But, like the, to, but like, the story was ridiculous. Like the whole time I was reading, I felt angry for her. Like this is so stupid and so far fetched. Like just she was in Greenville, 
But it turns out she's pretty smart. Which explains why <laughs> she's so not angry the whole time she's sitting in jail. Because yeah. I did wonder about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but she's, she doesn't get angry about it because she knows she did it. Yeah. Which, it, that just blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Tate. I thought Tate had done it or Jody had too. done it. But then I thought, well, no, they wouldn't let her go through the trial. Yes. You know, so then I'm like, okay, well, maybe they didn't. Or then I was like, well, maybe they did, but they let her do that because she's so pathetic. Mm-hmm. They thought she had the best chance of, you yeah. know, getting away with it. Like her alibi was solid. That's the whole thing that I kept thinking was. So she did. She like. Straight up. I wish they had. I wish that Owens had written that scene where Kaya like figures out how she's going to do it. Yeah. I would like to have been inside her head there. Like. When like she. Back ex- in time. When, yeah, yeah. Well, like when she accepts the invitation. Because she doesn't accept it for so long. And then she accepts it. And then she like. Pl- she plans that all out. And how does she lure him to the tower? Right. Yes. Question though. Did the invitation happen before he before he before he tried to rape her, or did the rape spur her on to accept the invitation? I don't know. I can't remember either because that would make more sense. Like she's yeah, resisting. That would make more sense. And then he tried to rape her, and she was like, "Okay, now I got the plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Greenville. Was it Greenville? Yeah. And I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna do. I can't remember the order. Of that. I, I think it's her. I think that she was still just trying yeah. to survive. I think. I think that's why we don't see her as a villain in the murder. Yeah. Because ultimately, she has a a way of life that she wants to keep going. And Chase was threatening it. Mm -hmm. And so she... She was scared. mm -hmm. He's going to come and rape me, kill me, all the things. Bring friends. Yeah. The thing that... I enjoyed about the trial is that because you never get anything from her. Yeah. um, You really don't know what's going on. So that just like anyone else in the room would be like, you're not convinced one way or the other, but we like her. Yeah. I I have to sort of believe like that. I thought it was just another way of the town shunning her, like the town not accepting her. I thought it was just the town, you know, doing what they'd always done by the putting her on trial mm-hmm. blame it on her it can't be anybody else right and it was as if in that that there were people who had compassion for that who were finally um being kind to her and so whether or not they believe she did it they did they weren't gonna they they realized that her freedom was was better than than the alternative that she didn't deserve to be um, punished or something like that. And then we learn not only did she do it, but she was the poet, Amanda Hamilton the whole time. Which really like that, that's the mystery that's more interesting to me. That's the one where I went back and I was looking at some of the poems and I thought, well, of course, yeah, (laughs) this is just her, like, what is the likelihood that she is going to have found a poet who speaks exactly (laughs) her language, I guess, but, um, she's just, yeah, she's recalling Amanda Hamilton poems all the time, all the time. Um, that's that, that was really, really awesome. Yeah, I like that scene when Chase found all that. Not Chase, Tate. And I liked, I, you know, we. I liked not knowing whether it was her going into the trial. 
and because not only I, I wanted to know if she had who had done it I, I wanted to know that I was still guessing that I had this brief theory way at the end that her dad was still out there somewhere and had protected her oh. um but then the whole thing with the disguises it was clever yes very clever it was it was yeah I just it was good good mystery writing clever it wasn't your typical, you know, red herring mm-hmm. kind of mystery book. Um, and that's what I, I think I was thinking earlier about just her knowing the ending and being so sure and and firm in that there was no need to plant a lot of clues that could then be interpreted in many different ways. Well, she did plant you know, one thing because um, it was... Uh, there was one scene where Tate was wearing the hat. Remember that? Yes. Tate had the red hat. That, yes. That's why I thought he did it. That's yes. the only real red herring that she threw out there. Red herring, red hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I have to say, I really enjoyed the sheriff and the deputy. <laughs> I liked that we got things from their perspective every now and again and that they were doing their job and they weren't jerks. They were just kind of following their leads and you wanted them to be successful too because they're, you know, they were likable characters and it was front. We were getting things from their point of view, but um, I just found them to be enjoyable characters who also, um, kind of loosen the mood a little bit when things were yeah. um, heavy or extra thoughtful. They were there to sort of, um, I don't know, just lighten it up a little. Yeah, they could have, things could have gone very differently if they had been um, harsher. Yeah. Kind of astringent characters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I enjoyed them too. They're um don't you think they're gonna make this into a movie? I think they should. Yeah. I, I bet Reese Witherspoon's gonna make it yeah. into a movie. I just hope she doesn't play Kai. She can't. She's too old, right? She's well, I mean, I guess she could die her they, they've gotta have a no name play Kai. It's gotta be a breakout mm-hmm. moment for someone. It can't be a you can't have a. Because no. it starts with a six year old and it goes. You can't have a character yeah. who's going to bring a bunch of baggage. Um, I really like, too. I, th- I think I thought a little bit about our conversation um, when we read Lucy Barton mm-hmm. and the idea that she she's isolated, but there are people, like nobody can, you can't, everybody needs help. And accepting that help at some point. And I think about Jumpin' and Mabel and how they helped her. And even Tate, even though Tate, their relationship, you know, was, he left and then he came back. And, but he taught her to read. He gave her all the books. Like there are, I guess going back to what you said earlier about, like there was a, a, a communion, not just with nature, but a communion with some people in the town who were willing to help her, whether it was providing basic needs like clothes and food from Jumpin' and Mabel, um, or like a father-like figure almost too. They kind of became part of her 
family. I mean, they were her surrogate parents mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. And, and she, you know, it's not like they stepped in and completely took care of her, but just in those, in those moments of, of, um, maybe there are most human moments when you're trying to understand what it means to be a human that they were able to step in and help her out. Yeah. Yeah. I love them. I love the idea. Like the book is so visual. Like I just, the places her and the marsh and going to jump ins and, the, ta- the little grocery store in the town where she's just holding out coins and she can't even count can't, them because yeah. she can't count that high. And um, it's all very vivid in yeah. my brain what it looks like. Yeah. And even the lady who took her change and, and helping her was there at the trial. Mm-hmm. Like there's just little bits, you know, all throughout her life. There were people who were trying to um, trying to help her and not shun her, but trying to do what they could to. I guess to help. The woman I was and I was trying to remember exactly what her name was. I should have looked it up before, but who had to um was she trying to get her to go to school or was she just trying to see if her parents lived there and she would hide a, from her? She was a truant officer. And the woman was the truant like officer. Like they could have gotten her in trouble, yeah. yeah. And you find out not until the trial that or not until late in the book anyhow, that um she could have found her. You know, yeah. that she was actually being kinder to her than than we knew at the time. Yeah. In, in addition to all the visual stuff, it just, you know how when you, living in Tennessee, as we do, when you <laughs> go to the beach, it's, I, I, I assume everyone feels this way, but maybe it's just me. But you, like, the creatures that live just that far away mm-hmm. are so different from what we see every day <laughs> that it feels so foreign and so interesting. Um, and it makes you feel like uh, how a kid has wonder about animals, you know, mm-hmm. kids just love animals so much. And then we get to a certain age and that we tone that down a little <laughs> bit, but um, it, this, this book made me, like rekindle some of that wonder and all of the animals and all of her collections. I would have liked to have seen her wall. Oh yeah. I would love to have seen what was inside that shack. Didn't you say as a kid, you used to do a little bit of that? Yeah. Just a, a very brief period of my life. When I lived in Florida, I was nine, which is, you know, the perfect time for that. Yeah. And I had very busy parents who just assumed I was at a friend's house. And so <laughs> I I would go run all over uh, the island of Fort Myers Beach and find these weird little waterways. Treasures. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> find, you know, not afraid to pick up any random yeah. kind of crab-like figure. So <laughs> her, these books that Tate ends up helping her, you know, find a publisher, yeah. right, um, mm-hmm. and write these books. So that's her offspring, right? So it's like it she is. has she has a child with oh, nature, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, and that that's her eternity. That's that's the legacy she, that she leaves. She teaches all these people about the yeah. marsh. There's no history of all of this stuff. So she, because of her communion with nature, she's able to leave that as you know her her gift Mm -hmm. that's that's interesting which is you know sometimes that's a better gift than kids (laughs) depending 
<laughs> Depending on the kid. <laughs> Read. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Not Riley. Just read. Uh just today read okay. <laughs> no, i'm kidding i'm totally kidding um but it but i ne- hadn't really thought of it that way till you just said that but the care with which she drew these pictures mm-hmm. and collected and she what would she do y'all she would like pin the thing so what was she pinning it to i can't remember it was like paper plates or napkins or yeah some i can't quite remember i either. can't remember either but it was she would take such care to mm-hmm. to pin the specimen mm-hmm. and then before she could write, she would just kind of rudimental, rudimentarily, is that the right word? Anyway, do these like sketches, right? Or like mm-hmm. she, before she had words, but then as she grew and grew, yeah. she would do these elaborate descriptions. So I thought that was, and that could have been so boring, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure why mm-hmm. it wasn't boring in this book, but it wasn't. Y'all. The feathers that she and oh, Tate was she and Tate would leave each other. Yeah, love that. It was, um, and you knew, like, you knew Chase was going to be a villain. Even, even, oh yeah, it was clear. But when, um, but there was maybe a moment of hope, like, oh, maybe he's going to redeem himself or something. <sighs> but when he came in and did not like her no. wall of treasures, Mm-mm. yeah, he's no good. No, he. Which is another reason why. We can love her in the end, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, did he deserve to live? And was that her decision to make, right? All right. of that. <laughs> but he was a bad dude. Yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. All right, y'all. Read this book. It's so good. Um, are we good? Yeah. Okay. Should we tell them what we're reading next? Or? Well, let's talk about what else have we been doing? Has been watching any shows, reading any books? You find interesting, Janine? I have been reading the Ferrante Quartet of books. I'm on the second one, which are the, oh, right. the Napoleon Quartet. Uh, the, um, so, books written in Italy, set in Naples in the 50s and 60s. And it's the HBO show, right? Yeah, there is an HBO show. So, I did watch, after I read the first book, I watched the... Um, the first season and it's lovely and it's interesting and it's hard to keep up with all the characters and I feel like I'm missing a lot because I don't know much about Italy post-World War II like in in all of the history lessons about World War II like Mussolini Mm -hmm. just don't I just don't know like I was just never never had any focus on that so I've been spending a lot of time with that, and Greg and I have spent the last several Sunday nights watching True Detective, mm-hmm. which just wrapped up, and in the end, I was very frustrated with. So, I enjoyed the episodes as they went along, but I thought that there were too many of them, and it could have been yeah. half as long, and then I thought it was not a very interesting mystery. Hmm. I don't know yet. I've only I've watched three episodes, so I haven't. Um, I haven't been watching, you know, how I like to watch TV. I still watch Shit's Creek as it's coming out because it's just so funny. Um, but I haven't really watched anything. I need to catch up on True Detective. Um, I've been reading a lot. I'm reading right now a Tanner French novel called Faithful Place. That's really good. I like Tanner French. Me too. Um, They're good mysteries. They are. Um, <laughs> she's Irish and it's just funny. Some of her 
wording and her language is really is hilarious to me. Um, so yeah, I don't, I've been doing. I read a couple parenting books. <laughs> Whatever, Caroline. What have you been doing? Well, I read a great book called "She Would Be King." It's by a, it's the first novel by um, a, a new author called I think you pronounce it Wyetu Moore. She's a Liberian American author, and the story is it's fantasy. Um, it's a it's one of the crazier books I've ever read. Like it's extremely unusual the structure and and stuff, but it is about it's kind of about a fictional account of the. Be- Beginning establishment of Liberia in Africa, oh. and um, which I learned a lot. I spent a lot of my time, kind of like when we read Crazy Rich Agents. Yeah, I spent a lot of my time <laughs> looking at a map, <laughs> figuring out where they were, because they're they're trying to get to Freetown. They end up south of there, but anyway, the it's a it is a, it's a cool cool book. The three main characters all have the end up having these like superpowers, and so has that fantasy element too but it's really a statement about slavery and the centuries and centuries and centuries of damage that's been done um it's very powerful it's a cool book i should read that you really should um it it's really cool and then i'm currently reading sweet tooth by ian McEwen. I picked that up at a used bookstore because like I love him. Yeah. Enduring Love is my favorite one of his. Remember, that's the one with the hot air balloon. What's the other Crash. one, though, that you like, though? Whatever. So, oh, I like a bunch of his. The more famous one. Children at, oh, Atonement? Atonement. Atonement. Yes. And then, like, a lot of his recent ones. I love him. So I was like, oh, I'm going to read this. I've never even heard of it. Um, And it's okay. <laughs> it's not my favorite of his, but it's like this, it's the main character. It's like in the 19th, takes place in the 1970s and she graduates from Cambridge and then she becomes like a secret operative in the English, it's called like M15 or something. I guess that's kind of like the FBI or CIA yeah, or something like that. Is that yeah. right? And so, um, anyway, it's about that. She becomes a, one of the first female operatives or something. I don't know. Okay. That's what I'm reading now. I don't um, know that I would recommend it necessarily. Okay. <laughs> um, so what we are doing next, we are going to read a book that is titled Black Leopard, Red Wolf by Marlon James. Can't wait. And so what it was described as an African Game of Thrones? That's what I've read. I've read, first of all, I read comparing him to calling Tolkien. him an African Tolkien mm-hmm. And he won the man Booker in 2015 and that novel, which I'm forgetting the title of right now, something about seven killings. It's the fictionalized account of the uh, murder of Bob Marley. Yes, that's right. But um, the anyway, um, long story short, I've heard him referred to as the African Tolkien. And then recently I saw this book referred to as an African-esque Game of Thrones, which I'm down for. <laughs> which comes out in April. So, all oh, right. Yeah, i got to figure out how I'm going to watch that. I might just have to get HBO for a minute. Um, but Marlon James is Jamaican. I bet there Jamaican. are some connections in this room. I know, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> Marlon James is Jamaican. And um, we've we haven't read any 
real men of color. I think we've of read any. Have we? I think we've only read one man book. Really? The, the um, <laughs> the one about the town. Yes, Richard Russo. Yeah, it's the only really? book. Empire Falls. Oh, I is literally that the only man. Think that's the only man that we've read. Wow, we did not like that book. No, not so much. Um, so yes, this so is that's for sure. exciting. I mean, we need to have some. What variety. did you say we're doing, Janine? We're mixing it up. We're showing range. Range. <laughs> that was your expression. There's some range here. We're going to show book. some range, y'all. I don't read a lot of sci-fi or fantasy. This smells a little like sci-fi fantasy and so i i um i don't either caroline's are a sci-fi fantasy person except for harry potter for me i think that in game of thrones that's about it but you're way back way back with lord of the rings and hobbit and all that stuff right are there oh, dragons I in it. it i don't know dragons. we're gonna have to read and find out all right y'all so that is what we are doing next black leopard red wolf um thanks for joining us we'll see you next time